Welcome to The Shiv Show, where we are all about people getting to know people. We are here to humanize the individual behind their brand and share their story with the world, with, of course, a few laughs in the mix. Now, it's time for your host, Australia's most Canadian podcaster, and just like the knife, Shiv Rat. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, and you guys know what the motto is. This is all about people getting to know people, and today's guest is a champion, and you know, we talked about this on the walk here. You have those friends that you, you call up for a 10-minute conversation and it turns into a 45-minute to an hour DNM. So uh, this, is, this is this guy, uh, Abdul. This is what we speak about all the time. And listen, man, welcome to the Shiv Show, my friend. So glad to have you here. Thank you, Shiv. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, good. And listen, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about today's topic. So are you. Uh, it's something that I think we're, we're both passionate about, which is sales, right? And so tell us what we're going to talk about today. I think we're going to talk about three things that, that we thought were really uh, topical. Uh, sales, we'll talk about luck, and we'll talk about leadership. Listen, again, I'd love to know a little bit about you, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself before we get into it. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, a bit about myself uh, from a professional perspective. I started off as a grad. Uh, after a year there, I realized that I, in order to make a, a lot of money in this technology sales game, I need to you know, be the upper echelon of uh, sales reps. I was promoted uh, every year from Legion to inside sales to uh, field sales. I've been selling there for two years and I recently got promoted into a leadership role. Congrats, uh, leadership yeah. Leadership in, in uh, speech marks. Cause, uh, quotations, yeah. yeah quotations, we're gonna be we're going to be talking about that today. So yeah, that's, that's my uh, story at a high level. I mean, I've been in the industry for five and a half years now. And yeah. It's been... Uh, life-changing journey mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's gonna hopefully propel me forward good man well curveball what what does leadership mean to you that's an interesting question and it's something that's been on my mind for some time now I've been working on getting into this leadership role for the past year year and a half and I love how you're not saying management role where you're saying leadership role by the way that's awesome yeah we'll yeah, definitely good. get into that uh, what, what's leadership to me I'm gonna ask you the same question afterwards you know I got into the leadership role uh, a few um, weeks ago, uh, but I realized, you know, I've been really given a, a management role. Mm-hmm. It's a management role because I'm managing five people who manage a quota that we have to make. Uh, in the same way when I was a rep, I managed customers that had to achieve a certain amount of quota to hit my target. Yeah. And I realized then that, you know, I'm not a leader, I'm a manager. I'm a leader when someone's going to follow me. Yep. And the way they're going to follow me is if I'm able to teach them something. So if you think about anyone that leads you, uh, then you realize that it's, you know, there's something that there that they teach you. Mm-hmm. And that what make, that's what makes them uh, a leader. So that's the pitch that I, I gave to my team. And since then I realized anyone can be a leader, you just need to have someone that follows you. Yeah. And management role is just, a, it's just a, you're, you're responsible for something different than mm-hmm. you were before. So... I guess that's how I differentiate it, and I'd be keen to get your thoughts on the shoot. Oh, man, it, good question came for me. Um, <laughs> the Okay, so it's something that I talk about often, right? I think you're right. I think anybody can be a leader, but I think there's certain traits that, that people just have, right? Um, a lot of managers, I think, again, are chosen for tenured that we, we spoke about. And I think that... If you look at someone who is an, an actual leader, they're a natural born leader, they possess these traits, they have the ability to uh, make people follow them. And I'm not saying, you know, be 
you know, be some sort of cult leader, but I'm saying make people follow them in the right direction, right? And I think good leadership skills, and we talked about this over dinner, um, the ability to let people go, which we'll get into, the ability to grow people, and the ability to not hold on. And uh, if I'm looking for a leader, those are usually the things that I look for. How am I going to take the next step in my career? I need to have a good leader for, in order for me to do that. And which is why if I made, you know, I made a few steps in my career previously in the past couple of years, great steps. And, you know, those, I attest those to the leaders that I've had on the way. Spot on. Yeah. I, at a deeper level, I think it's uh, the, the leadership, we, we look for leadership, it's deeply rooted in us. Yeah. So if, for example, uh, I noticed uh, my niece was playing outside with her cousins uh, and she's kind of the ringleader of her cousins. Mm-hmm. In the same way I realized when my boys want to go and do something, want to go eat something, want to do something, everyone turns to me like, what are we going to do? And I know you're in the same boat, aren't you, Shoot? Yeah. When it comes yeah. to that type of thing. So mm-hmm. anyone can be a leader. Yeah. Uh, having a management role is just you're responsible for people rather than you know, uh, something else. Good. So listen, what we're going to talk about today is, is again, sales and, and the negative connotations attached to it. But before we go into that, man, give me your story. How did you actually get into sales? I mean, that's how this podcast idea came up, right? Uh, we're having a chat, one of our deep and meaningful uh, discussions. <laughs> one, of the, we, one of the many that we have. Yeah. Exactly. And one thing that came up was, uh, I, I said to you, Shiv, we all fit into sales, but we all love sales. Yeah. So why is that? And then I20, I've been reading stuff on, on it to try and figure it out. Uh, and I, I think I've got some kind of uh, an answer. So I'll tell you my story of how I fell into sales. Yep. Uh, I think everyone has that story. Everyone's in sales says they fell into sales, mm-hmm. and and we'll hear yours as well. So my story is I was working at Woolies, uh, you know, green apron on packing fruit and vegetables. I was in my last year of uni, and I figured someone out there will see the fact that I'm finishing my degree next year, so I might as well just start work now because I was going to uni part time. Yep. So then <clears throat> I was going to uni part time. So then what happened, I started playing around for graduate jobs, but in order to get a graduate role, you have to be graduated. Yep. And I hadn't graduated yet. So this is when I realized I needed to be in sales because I was very persistent. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to sell the idea of me getting a job before I've graduated. I tried and I tried and I'd get caught into interviews, but they would always say, our client is looking for someone who has a degree. So bring that in. And I didn't have one. So I kept the persistence. Uh, I kept trying. And I was very blessed, I, I, I got a call from a, a company uh, and they were offering a graduate program. And in order to get the graduate program, there was 20 candidates. Over two separate days, they had to do an all-day interview, which consisted of psychometric tests, a presentation on any product and service for five minutes, group activities, all this type of stuff, all day. Yeah. So, me, you know, I was at 20 at the time, I put on my, my suit, went down to uh, the, the office and I turn up and I look around and there's 10 people, there, there's nine people, sorry. They're all older than me. Uh, there's MBAs, there's people with 10 years experience. Uh, there's also all sorts of interesting people. And I sat there and I thought, I'm not getting this job, but it's bloody good practice. Yeah, good. So that's how I treated it. And uh, I, um, I went through the day and I was very high energy because I had nothing to lose at that point. I, what else did I do? I, I had to do a presentation on a product and service, or service. Now that was half the battle. They wanted to see how these graduates and how these uh, young professionals will choose. What product will they choose? So what I chose was, I chose two things. 
I chose an idea and a product. The idea was cigarettes should be allowed to advertise and Lucky Strike cigarettes. That was a product I was yeah. selling. So it was a bit messed up and I said a disclaimer in the beginning, I'm not encouraging smoking. Yeah. But this is, I want to kind of grab your attention. Yeah. Uh, so I got up there and I did the Don Draper Lucky Strike pitch mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of get made it my own. So that's what, it's interesting, we're talking about how um, uh, sales has a negative connotation. What made sales sexy to me was Wolf of Wall Street type you know, yeah. uh, movies uh, and Mad Men, which was the show oh, I was heavily yeah. into at, at the time. So and the reason it made it sexy was they, were, you know, they just have that suave nature, they live an awesome lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they're in sales. Yep. So that's when it, I felt I could do this. So I gave the pitch, uh, and to my surprise, the guy loved it. He was a smoker, he loved Lucky Strike cigarettes, uh, and he was a fan of Mad Men. So it was like a perfect mix of things yeah. for me to happen. And he naturally like gravitated towards me, and he gave me the role. So I don't have a degree, I don't have any experience, and I've got this sales job. A month later, I'm in Thailand, traveling, I'm in New Zealand, I'm in Melbourne, I'm traveling, I'm having the time of my life, and all of a sudden I realize, you know, I've been very blessed to be given this opportunity, and since then I've just been very lucky to continue to have those people in my life that give me a chance and allow me to propel forward. Let, let's rewind there though, because you mentioned something that I want to bring up, and you know, I think at the beginning you said you walked in, you saw 10 people, and you said, listen, I'm not gonna get this job, I don't think I'm going to get this job, but it's going to be awesome practice, right? That's attitude, man. How did you get that attitude? Is that something that you were, you had growing up? or Because that's I think that's the problem, and we talked about this over dinner, that the ability to jump, you jumped. You said, screw it, I'm going to jump in and give it my all. That's, that's attitude. How did you get that? That's a very good question. I think growing up, I was always a, an awkward child. Uh, growing up, I felt that I need to... You know, what we were talking about earlier, I'm very privileged. My parents came to Australia, they left everything and uh, to give me a better life. And in mm-hmm. order to return that privilege, I need to justify that privilege. So uh, that's, what, that's what always drives me to, it's two things. It's to justify my privilege uh, and do the best that I can. And the other thing is not, one, not wanting success. You, know, you, you naturally think that I want to be successful. But for me, it was actually the fear of failure. Yeah. So I don't want to fail, and to me, failing is not being in the top one percent of whatever it is I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And as I'm saying this, I know Shiv, you you relate to it so heavily, but I think that's the two things that bring that attitude. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy because as soon as you have that attitude, as soon as you jump, those doors just start opening, and then you catch yourself and reflecting on the past years of your life, and you think, I'm very blessed. And uh, that's. That's such a good point, man. I think, you know, again, privilege growing up, like, you know, parents parents left everything, right? I think although they left everything, they started fresh. Mm-hmm. We didn't grow up with, with all the riches in the world. And I think that, you know, if you look at the ladder, we literally started at the bottom of the ladder and we climbed our way at the top, right? So I think if you look at where we would rather be, listen, I've seen the bottom and I've seen the top and nine times out of 10, I'm shooting the top. But I know that I've climbed every single one of those steps. So it's very, very important. And I think you're right. I think it does go back to attitude. Listen, I want to get into sales. And we talked about negative connotations. So why do you think sales has negative connotations attached to it? It's, it's, a, it's a good question. I think, uh, yeah, when you think sales, the first thing that you kind of think about is uh, being pestered by someone. Yeah, car salesman, insurance, um, telemarketer. All the time, right? Yeah. It's the same type of thing. 
And the reason you feel that way is because of a concept called uh, information asymmetry. Mm-hmm. It's when the person persuading you actually has more information than you do. Yeah. And because of that, you feel that there's going to be trickery, they're sleazy, they're slimy, they're just trying to get as, mon- as much money as they can out of you. And that's, that's the connotation that's being built into mm-hmm. us. Uh, it's a pop culture as well. I think it's, uh, it's experiences that we have that leads to that. Uh, and it's very true when you talk to people you're in sales, they think, you flogging laptops? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, tech sales, they're thinking I'm at like JB flogging laptops or something. Man, I know. I tell people I'm in tech and they give me their laptop to fix. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll do it, but we don't really do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's yeah. a lot more to it, right? Yeah. So that's where I think the negative connotation comes from. It's from the person that you're speaking to having more information than you and not wanting to tell you to force you to do something that you don't really want to do. Yeah. But now we live in a world of information parity. Mm-hmm. where when you go to buy your tag watch, you've studied it inside out. Correct. You probably know more about it than the rep yeah. that you're going to, right? In yeah. the same way, when I was buying a Mercedes, it was a price game. Like, I knew what I'm buying. I knew more than the person. Unfortunately, yeah. they could have got me. But when I was buying headsets and I couldn't choose between Sennheisers and Bose, yeah. the thing that got me across was the awesome salesperson at Harvey Norman who yeah. gave me his passionate opinion. All he said was, Sennheiser has a museum in Germany and I don't see Bose having that kind of thing. And it was just like a off, just a random statement and it made me think, like, this guy's really passionate about this. Like, there's something about it. So what did I do? I spent my 500 bucks on Sennheiser. Uh, and that's the power of a salesperson, the ability to do that. How do you differentiate perceived power versus passion? How do you differentiate those two? So how would you define a perceived power? How, do you, how would you differentiate between passion like someone being extremely passionate and someone just having perceived power yeah that's that's a good point how would you perceive that so credibility which we spoke about earlier yeah, right yeah. Uh, you have that sense that the person's credible and you have their trust mm-hmm. then as a buyer you're gonna feel uh, you're gonna feel propelled into doing what they ask yeah they obviously they might trick you into doing that so what we were saying earlier I think with sales when you learn sales skills yeah, you can use them in a negative way. You yeah. can abuse that power, uh, but that's not what it's designed to do. Right? Sales is, I think, it makes you more of what you are. So if you're a kind person, it will make you a kind salesman. Yep. Uh, it's it's like anything, right? So uh, if someone's too passionate, uh, you might see through that, and you might think uh, there's there's a game here that they're trying to get. Yeah. And that they're not telling you. So mm. it's a tough question. And, 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 and I love asking this to a lot of people. How important do you think EQ is when it comes to sales, emotional intelligence? Mm. Because if you think about exactly what you just said, if someone comes off too passionate, you, it means that it, to me it means that they have not read the room. They have not read the person they're selling to. So if, you, if someone comes to me selling me a tag wash and they're like extremely passionate all over me, I, I get a little bit turned off, right? To be yeah. honest, I get a little bit turned off. I think that you have to be able to read the room. If somebody needs that and someone needs that step, you need to show them that you have the perceived power, right? If not, you take a step back and you let them kind of control a lot of things. But again, I think as a salesperson, I go into every single one of my customers with regardless of what I'm doing and what I try to do is build trust. And I think that in a, in a world that we live in with salespeople everywhere, trust isn't really there anymore. So I like to take it old school, right? I mean, you need to have trust before you buy from me. That's 
that's the thing. If you want to buy from me, let's trust each other. And then we have an actual working relationship. Do you feel the same way? A hundred percent. I think in this, uh, in this day and age, when our customers speak to us, they're hoping for two things. They're hoping for you to be trustworthy uh, with the information that they're giving you, which is them putting their job on the line, mm-hmm. right? And if they choose your product, they're, they're putting their, you know, their, their KPIs on the line. Yeah. So they want to trust you, not as a salesperson, not me against you, me with you mm-hmm. as a partnership. Because your selling ability and you helping them see what your product can do is going to help them to hit their KPIs. Yeah. The second thing they look for is that thought leadership. Yeah. What do you know that they don't know that they actually need to know? So it's probably a, it's solving a problem that they don't know that they have versus just solving a problem that they know they have. How important do you think likability is to being a salesperson? I think if let's let's say for example, just sorry to cut you off, you're a new manager, right? And and we talked about this again at dinner. Sales is something that we're we're always going to be in, regardless of what industry we are in, whether it's banking or the water authorities or whatnot. You are in sales, hands down, because if you're not selling a product or a service, you're always selling yourself, right? As a leader, you need to be able to sell yourself properly. How do you sell yourself to your team, and how do you how do you show likability? I think I want to answer that with one word and then I'll elaborate on it. Okay. The one word is attunement. You're being completely attuned to the person that reports to you. Okay. Right? So my, my uh, VP was saying the other day that when you become a leader, when you become a manager, you become the top, one of the top three people in someone's life. The most important person in, in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And that is a big responsibility. That's, a, that's very true. Scary, true, actually. Scary, right? Yeah. Uh, and even when you're not in a management role per se, you still have those people that, you know, if, the, if you ask someone, who's the top most important person in your life, you they will say your name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's leadership. So if you're attuned, uh, that means you're being sympathetic and careful to what, what they require. Yeah. And that means you're listening really well. That means you care about them at a human level, not just a professional level. And finally, you're helping them professionally to move forward. So... You know, I can say, hand on heart, that I'm a different person after spending two years at this company mm-hmm. because of the people that have been able to teach me. Yeah. And I want to be that person for my team. Yeah. And that's how I think, I haven't figured it out completely, but that's how I think that likability aspect comes in. Where, when, when I see my boss calling me, I see his name on the phone, I get excited. Yeah. So I'm going to have a pleasing, nice conversation. They're going to be attuned to my problems. Yeah. I'm going to be able to, they're going to be able to serve me. Correct. In the same way, I want to be able to serve my team. Yeah. When I call them, they think, yes, I needed to like speak to someone and, and whatever it is and, and, and get this done. So. That's awesome. And I think listening is, is such an important thing, right? You need to be able to, either attunement, listen to them and listen to them when they have a problem. Um, you obviously had a lot of mentors in your, in your career. Uh, how, how much of an impact have they had on you? I have a lot of mentors and I have them in every you know, social setting that I'm good, in. Good. And I hunt them down and I ask them to be my mentor. <laughs> and my mentor uh, could be also someone younger than me. Yeah. Being a guy, you always, it's like, you have to have a, like a wise old man be your mentor. That's, That's not true. Exactly what I say, man. I think growing up, going to university, going to college, whatever, they, they teach us, you know, if you're, if you're a male, your mentor needs to be an older male. If you're female, your mentor needs to be an older female. Like, I think that is extremely bad advice. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. 
I think it's terrible advice. Yeah. Uh, and I have, you know, I have mentors in, in all types of forms. And the way they help me is when I'm in a situation, we always think this is the first time it's happening to me. So this is the first time it's happened ever. Yeah. That's not true. There's someone that's gone through it uh, and they've been able to handle it. So that's what mentorship is to me. When I don't have direction or they're selling to me, right? What don't I know that I need to know in this next challenge that I'm going through? Mm-hmm. Whenever I go and get mentorship, I always I have that sigh of relief and I feel confident in what I'm about to do. Good. And without that, mm-hmm. I think I'm just so used to it. I have to call someone. I have my go-to people yeah. for everything, whether it's relationship, sales, leadership. I have my go-to person uh, that, that will mentor me. You know? And I, I get it because I ask for it. Yeah. I make that step. I think in our generation, in the millennial realm, that's missing. It's yeah. like we have the answer to everything because we have Google. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. Uh, when A mentor, when you break down a scenario uh, and they can help you, uh, it's great. And then now being a mentor, we're talking about this, being a mentor is crazy as well because one moment you're figuring your life out and next moment people are coming to you and they're like, oh, I did what you told me to do and it worked, it made my life easier. And you're like, yeah, because I've been through that and I just shared the story. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a nice feeling. Good. Two things for me. I think one of the things you said before is, and one of the things I realized, is a person at a leadership position, a lot of times they fail if they try to clone themselves and try to multiply themselves, right? So imagine Abdul creating a team of Abduls, like it's just not going to work, right? You need to have different personalities on your team. I look at the same thing with mentorship, right? Why would I want to speak to someone exactly like me? They're going to be seeing the same viewpoint I'm seeing. I want to be able to speak to someone completely opposite to me, a female, a, you know, a younger female, older female, a younger male. Like I have mentors that are, that, you know, vary with age, whatnot, because they see a different viewpoint than I do, right? And I think that's very important when you're leading a team is, don't try to create more use. Just try to welcome everybody as they are. And obviously you tweak things here and there, but you learn from them as well. And I think, you know, as a, as a leader, as a new leader of a team, um, it, you know, you probably realize the importance of learning from them as well because you don't know all the answers, right? You're just trying to, trying to learn as you come. Exactly. It's very important. Exactly. And I think on the second point of, you know, being a mentor, right? We talked about that again. It's crazy because, again, one minute you're, you're, you're trying to pay off, pay off that credit card bill and the next minute you're giving advice on how to do it, but it's it comes with experience. Exactly. And, and you learn a lot from, from I think, being a mentor. Exactly. Yeah. I think two points on the, the mentorship uh, and the diverse types of mentors you should have. Uh, an older salesman told me, uh, don't, let the dollar, don't let the customer see the dollar signs in your eyes. Mm. And that stuck with me. Yep. A younger salesperson who's really successful told me, uh, we're not selling Big Macs to vegetarians. <laughs> and they're two very diverse kind of views to uh, sales yep. uh, and both have resonated with me so they're etched in my brain always yep very very good uh, we talked about luck earlier so you know are you, are you, do you consider yourself lucky do you consider yourself hard working give, me give me the spiel it's funny it's, it's, it's an awesome question it's something people don't ponder about enough because if I, if people, you know, someone looks at my resume and says, oh, you've done great. And my normal response is, I'm lucky, I'm blessed. And they're like, that's a bit of a cop-out answer because <laughs> you've been working hard and you're a good bloke and all this stuff, yeah. right? And I actually disagree partly with both answers. Mm-hmm. And I had to think about it a long time because I'll always do that. And you do this as well, Shiv. Yeah. Uh, I do the usual. Like, no, I've been very lucky. And I mean it. And they're looking at me like, 
cop out, give me the real answer. (laughs) Like, what did you do, right? And I'm going to say two things to that. First thing is where you said, taking the bloody action. Yeah. Just taking that first step and not being scared. Uh, That first step is, is everything. Being able to fail, that's the thing about the first step. You only take the second step when you're right because the other 10 times failed. Correct. And I think that's that's how we've been able to uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say be that's how we've been able to uh, have worthwhile careers so yep. far. The second thing I want to say is, and I really studied this, right? And I got to this concept that really shifted my thinking. It's called ROL. It stands for Return on Luck. Mm-hmm. So you look at two companies, same industry, same type of region, same type of customers. One does really well yep. and one doesn't do that great. And when you study both companies, you find that they got as lucky as each other. They had the same amount of instances where they got lucky, right? And there's a strong definition to that. Uh, and the thing that the company that did really well, the thing that they did differently is they had a higher return on their luck. So me today, I got lucky that my uh, when I interviewed out, I was lucky that she saw something in me and yep. gave me the chance. But when I got the chance, I milked it. Mm-hmm. Right? I got lucky when I got into the chance that I had a rep who later became a manager. Yeah. But I worked hard with that that rep, who then eventually gave me a, a, a senior uh, rep role when he got promoted to, to management. So I've been able to have a high return on my luck. Yep. Uh, and the only thing I can say that can increase that luck or increase not the amount of times it happens because that's pure luck, but how can I uh, have a high return on luck? Reading and mentorship. Yeah. That's just adding information into your brain mm-hmm. to be able to know what to do and act at any given time. Yeah. When I go to an interview, I read a book about interviews. Yeah. I see like books as like prescription medicine, right? My managers like to me, you have terrible executive presence. I went and read 48 powers of, uh, 48 rules of power. Yeah. Every time someone gives me some good feedback, yeah. uh, I go and read a book about it. I read a book every two weeks, three weeks. That's yeah, awesome. Usual 200, 300 page books. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. And that was what I felt is increasing my luck because I just know, I have more information in my brain to act at, a, at the, the, the right time. Yeah. Increases EQ essentially. Good. To, to milk that luck essentially. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you call it luck and it's weird. You know, a lot of people listening is probably like, well, is it, is it luck? But you're right. And I think milking it is very, you know, another word that you could use for milking it is actually taking action, right? I think that's, that's essentially what you've done. You've given a chance, you've given a little bit of that rope and you pull that rope, right? I think that's, that's very, very important to, to do because again, I think we talked about it again earlier. Everybody's almost given the same opportunity that you and I have been given. But the fact is that you and I have taken the extra step to take that extra mile because you have to, especially in today's society. Lots of, lots of competition and whatnot. We need to be able to differentiate ourselves and we do that by taking action. Spot on. Yeah. It's, it's uh, reading more. I'm always in work, uh, at work, and uh, I, you know, I start work earlier than everyone and I leave later. Good. It's those little things and it's those big things as well, like reading, reading books and so on and so forth. So. What, what books are you reading right now? At the moment, I'm reading two books, uh, Five Levels of Leadership, and uh, I'm reading uh, The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh. Oh. That's the two that's on my plate. Obviously, focused on leadership. Yep. I uh, might new leadership. Well, I just finished The First 90 Days, which is a book about the first 90 days of being a leader. Yeah. So, 
yeah, the, the, the books have really, really helped accelerate that, that learning. Do you find that it's given you more clarity in your mission? I think when I think about leadership, I'm, right now I'm building my framework. And the book, it kind of adds to the framework. And my managers and my mentors add to the framework. So it gives me clarity in that I'm figuring out my way of being a leader. But at the same time, there's the science and there's the art. You can read the book on how to swim. But until you jump into the water, you're not going to know how to swim. So right now, six, seven weeks into the role, I can't say I know anything about leadership, but I can make sure that I've read the book on how to swim, which is hopefully going to improve my chances of learning to swim faster, right? Yeah. So in the same way, I'm reading the books on leadership, building my high-level framework, yep. and I've broken it into three, and thanks to my leadership, I've been able to do that. Revenue, recruit, retain. That's the three hours that we're looking at, mm-hmm. and every kind of book fits into that mold, awesome. and every action fits into that that mold. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to build on that. That's my to-do list, right? Recruit, only retain. Mm-hmm. I've got action on each thing, and I'm working to address those as equally and balanced as, as possible. Uh, and yeah, that's the clarity. Yes, without that, you have the issue of someone just got promoted yeah. because they were a good rep, and the team's suffering because they haven't been attuned to their feelings, they haven't... They don't have a framework. They're just doing things for the sake of things. Mm. So you talked about this earlier, being being the top one percent of everything that you do, right? And I think I think that's awesome because I, I love to do that as well. And I, I love you know a lot of things. I'm not the best, but you try to achieve it and you try to learn, right? I think reading books and speaking to your mentors is very important to achieve that. How do you how do you stay motivated? What keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? I think what keeps me going is what I said earlier. I summarized it in, in three words, and it's taken a long time for me to get it to that concise point. It's justify my privilege. Mm-hmm. It's I feel very privileged with all the opportunities I've been given, and I have to justify it every single day. That's what keeps me going. The other thing that actually keeps me going is you know mastery. Like if I'm good at something, you feel more passionate towards it. So. Uh, one of the, the books I, I read, it had a really nice quote. It said, passion is an after effect of mastery. So when you become good at something, uh, you automatically become more passionate about it. I think that's what keeps me going as well. I think the sense of accomplishment uh, of being really good at, at something. What's a characteristic that you think every leader should possess? There's so many to choose from. <laughs> to, to, I think as a number one, above anything, I'm going to say you have to be a good listener. Like you have to be able to take in information and really, if you're a good listener, it means you have good empathy. That's why I say good listener because that's the sharp skill, right? Yeah. The empathy is like to a high level and, and, and uh, it's, that's the bird's eye view, right? You have to be a good listener. If you can listen well and you can really, really put yourself uh, in their shoes then you can help them and they can help you. So I'm, I'm going to say that's the most important thing. When I look back, and Shiba, you can do the same, the best leaders that you have in your life, they're just bloody good listeners. Yeah. And I, when I look at like how sales has helped me become a better person, it's been that ability to listen. And Shiba, you're an awesome listener. Obviously, you've been part of a... You know, that's why you, you, you run an awesome podcast because you're able to listen. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. So... That to me is is everything because automatically as a leader, you're like, I'm the teacher, I'm supposed to be talking all the time mm-hmm. and that's just not the case. It's about listening and 
And if you ask me what the best sales rep does as well, it has to be awesome this time. And I was just going to say that, right? So I think that's just, that's funny enough. I'll switch a question. I'll pretend I switched the question, but that's the same trait I think that you find, you're right, in good leadership and being a good salesperson, right? That's the key to success, I think, in sales is actually going in and listening to your customers and finding out the pain points and whatnot. And not just that, but but I think in, in, in times that we do a lot of, a lot of customers that we deal with feel like they are not listened to, right? No one's actually listening to them. And I think, again, this goes back to old school selling, right? Sit there and listen. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and actually listen to what the issues are instead of talking about what you're going to do to fix the issues that you think they may have. Yeah. That's awesome. And it goes back to being, being a leader, right? Trying to fix the issues that you think your team, team may have. But sit down and listen and, and understand what's actually, what's actually happening. I'm going to add... A little bit of a plot twist to that. So instead of being a, a good listener, I think uh, it just hit me now, being a curious listener. Okay. So if I asked you, Shiv, tell me what's a, 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 what are the character, characteristics of a good salesman, you'd give me an answer. Now if I asked you, tell me the characteristics of a great salesman, I think the difference between good and great is that curiosity. Being curious about the customer's problem. Mm-hmm. Being curious about the person, the, the rep that works for you, about what, why they're complaining about what they're complaining about, why they're, they're stressing on the problem that they have. And yeah, to, to rephrase my answer, not being a good listener, but being a curious listener, I think, is what differentiates. I love that, man. So I'm just, you know, we, we said we said 30 minutes, we're, we're at 35. Listen, going back to the beginning of the negative connotations attached to sales, what do we need to do to fix this problem? Uh, what we just said, we need to be able to, first of all, listen uh, mm-hmm. clearly. We need to uh, try and find problems that the customer has that they don't know they have. And we need to start finding problems versus just solving problems. Mm-hmm. We need to share the, with the customer something that they cannot find on the internet. Something they cannot find just by talking to their, their colleague. Something that only you know. And that's what you, where your value is. So when you look at the future of sales, I was watching a TED talk. It's called The Future of Sales. Guy comes up and he says... This is the future of sales. I'm selling to you and you paid me money to sell to you. That's the future of sales. And in order to get to that point, uh, we need to become uh, specialists in a certain field so that yep. we have a lot of knowledge that a lot of customers and people out there are trying to solve. So that to me, uh, I think is that something that's probably a practical measure of uh, what we can do. Uh, and not selling Big Macs to vegetarians, that's, that's probably the main <laughs> thing as well. When I choose my, I don't choose a hundred customers I want to go after. I choose eight customers that I want to go after, and I focus on them because I'm like, these are the, the, the you know the guys that want to eat Big Macs, <laughs> and and kind of nail them down from there. Uh, in my job and uh, as a leader, I'm trying to help my team do that, mm-hmm. uh, and as a salesman, I'm constantly trying to do that. Good. All right. So you know we, we have a lot of university students that that tune into the Shift Show. If you can summarize, and and, and the reason I'm saying this is because when I was in university. Sales didn't really, you know, I didn't think sales existed, right? I thought marketing was sales and I had no idea they were different until I actually got into a marketing firm and realized, well, this is actually, this is not what I want to do, right? So what advice would you have for students that are a bit on the line about going into sales other than listening and being a curious listener? I think if I had to take myself back to to when I was a grad uh, and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, I'd say that, first of all, let's look at the data, right? 70% 70% of CEOs came through the sales route. 
That's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. If you want a lifestyle whereby you have a lot of control and freedom, uh, I think that that comes with, with sales. If you want a job where it's it's a job, but it's kind of like in between owning a business and having a nine to five task oriented job, because you have a lot of freedom, like you get given a target and you're, it's your job to go out and get it. If you're the type of person that is okay with uh, not being given that much direction and still figuring it out, that's the sales is the type of thing that's gonna get you going. I'm not saying it's for everyone. Uh, what I am saying is, what I find millennials want from their lives, sales has, but no one knows that it, they have it. Everyone we speak to falls into sales, and I think it's tragic. Yeah. So it's I make it my job to spread the word as, as much as I can, but at the same time, I think uh, yeah. If, if I'm a grad, I'm really if I'm a graduate, I'm really gonna try and break down. What are, okay, what are my personality temperaments? Am I extroverted? Am I not? Am I, you know, am I uh, a people's person? Am I not? And really break that down and then kind of match that with uh, the types of jobs. And if you're kind of, if it aligns, you know, sales is definitely a, a good thing to, to get into. And, and I know for me and you, Shiv, it's, it's changed our lives really. Oh, definitely. And, and I think to, to the point to add on what you said, it's not just, you know, if you're an introvert or extrovert. Listen, I... A couple of years ago, when you didn't know me, I was an extreme introvert. Right? I was very different than I am now. I'd be scared to talk to anyone. I'd be scared to actually have a conversation. But I had the willingness to change because I realized what I wanted to achieve in life. And to be honest, sales is what I wanted to do. Again, I fell into it, right? But when I fell into it, I realized I'm like, well, wow, this is actually, this is what I want to do, right? I love the hustle. I love the hustle and bustle. I love having these conversations. I love solving problems, right? Because sales is not just selling a product it's solving problems so I think that uh, to add on to your answer the willingness to change is very very important because people can change their personalities can change exactly right 100% agree good man listen we can keep going like I, you know we can keep going but listen I just want to thank you so much man is there anything you'd like to say before we uh, we finish up I just want to say Shiv uh, thanks for uh, getting me on the show uh, I think uh, this conversation is very timely because uh, look, you know, we're surrounded by salespeople. I think everyone's a salesperson, and I, I think that we all fell into it. And it's worthwhile uh, realizing you know, how lucky we are and how um, how our lifestyles are, are very privileged. Shiv, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I just wanted to say, uh, to sell is human. Sell is human. I love it, buddy. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. We'll see you next time. For sure.